0: So anyway, today we're going to be talking about, uh, we've been talking about the series about the priesthood. So today we're going to be talking about being joyful in the house of the Lord. Um, this is one of the promises tethered to the priesthood, tethered to being in a house of prayer is that you will be joyful. Now, uh, one of the things that uh, the priesthood, for those of you guys who haven't been around is, um, it is different than normal Christianity Uh, in terms of synagogue model, but what it is is actually coming before the Lord in corporate times, regularly coming before him, beholding his beauty, declaring the majesty of the Lord to him, um, primarily uh, to partner and serve him with prayer and fastings, and then to come out, right? So it's actually going into the presence, corporately beholding him, coming out. And so that's uh, really what we've been talking about with the priesthood, and that is what the Lord is bringing back into regular and normal Christianity is the presence-centered nature of our gatherings. Um, Joseph actually pointed this out. It's kind of interesting that Christians are the only, we're the only group of people that come together and sing regularly. Like, no other group really does that as much as Christians do. We come together and we sing, right? Yeah, and it's, 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 It's interesting because that is so central. Why we do that is because we reflect exactly what is happening up in heaven. That the centrality of all the kingdom of God circles around prayer and worship. And that's why we are a singing people. Because our God is a singing God and asks his priests to sing and minister before him. Okay, so going into being joyful in the house of the Lord. um, So one of the... Uh, We can go to the first slide, actually. Um, So one of the promises of Scripture is actually um, kind of a negative one, which is to say that the Bible actually promises that in the end times, there's going to be an increase of anxiety, fear, and depression for people around the world. Like, it should not surprise us that that's happening and becoming a normal state in our world today. It was promised by the Lord, right? Right? It says that in Luke 21, 25 through 36, I think it's up there. uh, It says, and on the earth, distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear. Now, we know people are pretty anxious today. Anxiety is kind of a normal thing. It's going to escalate, says the Bible, to the point where we will actually see people pass out from fear and that won't seem so abnormal with foreboding on what is coming to the world. right? So this is a distress the nations, but the great news is that, next slide, that Jesus says to us, let our hearts not be troubled. Amen. Believe in God, believe also in me, John fourteen one. Uh, so one of the things I want to say is... Uh, you know, we can kind of see it in the world. I was I was walking, you know, we walk regularly and around Antrim, Joseph and I with my mom. And how many of you guys have noticed this? The older people are more likely to smile and wave high than younger people. Right? There's something hardening in the hearts of younger generations to come that's different even than the older generations. We see it generationally. Uh, when my mom went to the largest church in uh, Korea, I always say this story, um, but it's the largest church. What's his name again? I always forget his name. Young, Young Yi Cho, right? Uh, he has the largest church in the world, and yeah, and he's actually a really great guy. Like he isn't just big church ministry, but he has a big heart before the Lord. And so all these pastors around the world came for this pastors' gathering. They're they're sitting there, maybe in the thousands, and they're waiting to hear what this guy first says when he walks on the stage. What is the key? What is what, what wisdom does he have to impart? And the first thing he says when he gets up on stage is he goes, why are you pastors so serious? Look at you, all of you, so serious. Like, and he goes, why don't you smile? I wouldn't want to go to your church. You don't smile. And like, it was like this shock to all these like really serious, especially Korean pastors uh, that were there. And uh, <laughs> like, there is a joy that is promised in the house of the Lord. Right? And God's command over us is, let not your heart be troubled. It's a command that sometimes we actually let our own hearts be troubled and stay troubled. And that God actually commands us not to let it. Not to stay there. Don't allow it. Don't keep going with it. Don't let it become such a normal part of our daily walk, that we're like, this is just normal that I feel this way and that I'm not joyful. I'm not upset, but I'm not joyful either because I've let this heaviness hang on my heart. God says to us, don't let it. Believe in God, believe it also in me. And sometimes we let our hearts be that way. Why? Because we have not actually developed rhythms and lifestyles of beholding God and coming before him. Um, So John 13, 27, after that, and it's not on there, but he actually says, why? How do we not let our hearts be troubled? He says, my peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Again, he says that. My peace I give to you, meaning like you have to come, like we have to come before God to receive peace. There is no other way under heaven by which you may be saved by which you may attain peace, by which you may actually walk out joy in your life. There is no other name under heaven. There is no amount of money you'll make, no amount of friends you'll make, no amount of um, favor or gain that you can actually get that will actually give you joy because joy is found in Christ alone. Peace is found in Christ alone. And so that lifestyle of the priesthood is an invitation to come before the Lord And that he will actually be the one who gives us peace. And that is why the house of the Lord is to be characterized by a joyful people. Um, Yeah. Uh, John 13 through 17. Mike Pickle has been preaching about this recently, and I loved it. He said there's about 25 promises in the Bible of the Lord that, like promise and give us joy. Like It's actually a line-by-line step of what to do with our troubled hearts to overcome fear, shame, bitterness, grief, to gain oil of intimacy. And there's truths, like 25 of them, that we're supposed to come before meditate on and speak back to the Lord that will help us overcome painful and dark and dangerous emotions in our hearts and mindsets. And it's not something that anyone else can give you. Like, I think we were talking this, about this in the leadership staff once about how uh, in church it's almost common now to be like, do you offer this? Like, especially like, do you offer, uh, one of the things we are talking about is how, how, how interesting the question of do you offer discipleship? Because right? usually what that means is, do you offer uh, set-aside times where we can meet for coffee and I can talk about my problems and you can, you know, like, talk to me? Like, it wasn't ever a question you find in Scripture, do you offer discipleship? Because discipleship was a natural product of walking together, right? It was always something that if you lived life properly, as the Bible described it, the discipleship would happen naturally. But instead, sometimes we do what... what you know, the oil of intimacy that we see Maybe like, I'm like, oh, Joseph has an oil of intimacy Like, I want it You know, Joseph, I need to meet up with you <laughs> Tell you my problems Because I'm feeling stressed and anxiety And I'm feeling da-da-da-da-da Jose- I, I see this, I poor Joseph Because honestly, like, Joseph is the most likely Out of us, like, Becca, me, and, and, and Joseph Like, people are more likely to be like Joseph, I need to meet up <laughs> And for Joseph is hours and hours upon like hearing people's problem and I watch him like kind of like stumbling out of there and then I see the person come again next week like just I need to meet up and he's like <laughs> you know not that he doesn't want to meet up with you guys like I'm not saying like don't ask him to meet up but what I'm trying to say is that Joseph cannot offer you his oil of intimacy Like, if you want to repeat the same problems you had last week to Joseph, there's nothing he can do about it. Poor Joseph will just bear your weight and cry with you. And, like, how he himself has to go to the prayer room (laughs) so that he can take your burdens, give it to the Lord, and receive peace from him. Right? Like, it is an oil of intimacy that is only... Peace and joy that only comes from the priesthood lifestyle of coming before the Lord. And we see it in Jesus' life. Jesus is the best example of this. Let's go to the next slide. Jesus is our joyful high priest. He's our joyful high priest. I love what Mike Prickle says about this, that Jesus is the best teacher to overcome a troubled heart. Jesus had more trouble than any of us. He had it compounded in interest. Like, he had the troubles of not only his world and of heaven to hell. He had your troubles and my troubles. He had a lot of troubles. And Jesus, yet, it says about him that he was joyful. He was our joyful high priest. One of the things that it says about him in Hebrews or 12.2, it says, On Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him. Like, isn't that interesting? For the joy set before him that he endured the cross. Like, if you talk to Jesus today and be like, man, that cross, Jesus, wasn't that rough? Like, I I wonder if he would respond to us. Like, actually, I was kind of looking forward to the thing (laughs) that was happening. Like, yeah, it was kind of hard, but you know, like, I was kind of, like, looking forward to that part after. And and he despised the shame. Like, he despised it. It, He didn't absorb it and kind of be like, it's weighing me down. He despised it. He despised the shame, and now he sits at the right hand of God. Right? Um, it's interesting that like the joy set before him helped Jesus endure the cross. He wasn't weighed down by depression, anxiety, or disappointment because of the joy. And he set it before him. And what was God's? What was Jesus's joy? What was it that Jesus saw at the end? that made everything else, the journey of hardship and difficulty, almost nothing. He despised it. And it was actually the joy of the glory of God. It was the joy that his father would be glorified. He said this, exalt your son, glorify your son so that you would be exalted. It's interesting because we talk about how Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Uh, That's actually kind of a, is that even a Bible verse? Kind of. Like, it's not completely untrue, but there's far more Bible verses that talk about how Jesus went on the cross for the glory of his Father. Like, actually, not that Jesus didn't care about us or love us. Absolutely he did. The Bible talks about that. But more burning in the heart of Jesus was his own love for his Father that drove him to the cross, that he would be glorified. That was the joy set before him. And that is something that we are invited to partner with Jesus in, is the joy of the glory of God, that our lives would be spent, wasted, burned, used. All our resources and affections and times would be given in such a way for years and decades unto the glory of God. Oh, man, thank you that my life like and all its joys and sufferings can glorify him at the end of the day. Oh, glory. Oh, yeah, that song we sang earlier. Right? Um, yeah, so, like, that gave Jesus joy. Right? Like, that we send all our joys ahead of us, that our joys and our passions are even... Like I I realized this too. Like uh, you know, recently, like as my dad passed away, I realized that as you get older, it's a really interesting thing, and I'm sure some of you older Christians can testify this. But increasingly, our joys go before us, right? Like, like being with dad, being with Jesus, like that gets bigger and bigger, and all the pleasures of the world. When you've eaten enough, tasted enough. (laughs) Like whatever. It's like, you become less and less joyful, and all of a sudden your heart starts to long, right, for the greater joys of knowing Christ, of being with Him, and what that lifestyle looks like, right? That was Jesus. His joy was set before Him. He served the interests of God over Himself. That's where His joy came from, Uh And Jesus says, like, he invites us. Like, you know, sometimes we get really shaken, and we're like, oh, we're really, like, suffering with anxiety, depression, whatever, and it's like, oh, yeah, but we built our house on on clay. We built it not on things that will stand, and no wonder you're shaken. Your house is just shaken. Your whole emotions are shaken. Too bad, because you built your house on, like, things of the world, right? Like, we build our houses on things in the world, and we wonder why we're so shaken when these things happen. And maybe that's because we're given that invitation to build our house on a rock that will not be shaken, the rock that is higher than us. Right? Um, so Jesus, our joyful high priest, he, Jesus is joyful, why? Because he served the interests of God and not his own. He saw the glory of God. Next one, he was a joyful high priest, why? Because it says about Jesus that you loved righteousness and hated wickedness, therefore God, your God. Has, appoint, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Like, think of the most joyful, like to me, the most joyful person in the world is my mom. She's really joyful, like all the time. It's astounding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Like my, Jesus is even more joyful than my mother, even more joyful than the most happy person in the world. He is glad. The oil of gladness was given to him beyond his companions. Why? Because he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. And we cannot love righteousness and hate wickedness unless we truly sit before the Lord. Unless we truly come and allow him to change the renewing of our minds. Because to be honest, right now, we love stupid things. (laughs) (laughs) We love stupid things and then our emotions go up because stupid things will go up and down. Stupid things always go up and down. You know, they're temporary, right? Um because we don't love the things that God loves and hates the things that God hates and so the invitation is to come before the Lord. And that's what Jesus is constantly doing if you look at his life. Like prayer life for Jesus was huge. In his life, he was constantly before the Lord and as you sit before the Lord, you really start to look like Him and think like Him. Yeah. Um, So, like, Jesus... uh, Where is it? Jesus loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Okay. Um, It's interesting. The happiest I've ever seen Becca, and and I've known her for, what, 12 years now? I mean, Becca... Becca, like, my weakness is many things. Becca's weakness is, um, like, stress sometimes. And the happiest thing I've ever seen her was after she spent three months at iHop. Like, her apartment was terrible. It was a terrible apartment. I can't even begin to describe. Like, uh, food, terrible. Everything was terrible. Well, the food, well, let me say this: if you go to iHop, it's not always terrible. It just so happened that Becca picked an apartment that was terrible. I don't want to dissuade you from going. <laughs> <laughs> to go. Yeah, yeah. Um and Becca was in an internship where everyone was like what average age, like 70 or something like that, right? She was the only young person uh pretty much there. And like her three months there, she came back. I mean, and she was like nothing could take her joy. Like all the things in the past that used to bother her that I knew, like I would watch and be like, oh no, she's gonna be a little bit oh no, she's okay. Like she's okay. <laughs> Like, why? She had sat before the Lord. She had spent the time beholding his beauty, loving righteousness, and hating wickedness. And then God gave her the oil of gladness beyond her companions. Jesus, is our joyful high priest. Go to the next slide. What's great is that Jesus does all these things, and he says, come, be part of it too. Come, be joyful with me. Like, come come to me, all you who are weary and heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, right? Matthew 11, sometimes if we're heavily laden, it's because we're not gentle and we're prideful in heart. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, my mom is the most joyful person uh, Like, my dad, like, just a so little Was also super joyful Like, uh, I, to be honest, like, I used to think That, man, my parents are just They just are so simple Like, they don't get it <laughs> They're just not thinking through all these difficult things in the world You know, they're not smart enough As I am They don't see it like I do, you know? And how far from the truth that was. Like, I was the one who was actually in delusion and illusion. Like, they understood a truth that was deeper than what I understood. They had taken upon the yoke of Christ. They have understood that they get God. And so it doesn't really matter, like, what else is happening. They had a faith that was rooted and grounded, like, this is an invitation to those when we walk with the Lord faithfully. I mean, all Christians have this invitation to take upon ourselves the yoke of Jesus, that as we get older, young people, we will be even more joyful, even more light. When we're 60 and 80, I mean, Daniel, when he's 60 and 80, will be like, Daniel, remember when you were kind of boring and like just unhappy when you were like 18, you know? Like, now he's super joyful. He, like, you wouldn't imagine. That's an invitation of taking upon the yoke of Jesus. I just imagine Jesus looking at us. And <laughs> like, I think about this about our cat sometimes, because our cat is super grumpy. And he's, if you guys seen him wandering around the property, he's super grumpy. And I'm like, why? Like, why did you take up on Like, you had a great life. You had all this food. You had all this, like, clothing. Not clothing, sorry. I was thinking about people. <laughs> <laughs> If he had clothing, that would be why he's upset. But but yeah, like he had a great life. People loved him. And yet for no reason whatsoever, he decided to take upon himself the yoke of heaviness. (laughs) No reason whatsoever. (laughs) And sometimes that's us. There is no reason why we should have taken on the yoke of heaviness. Like I can imagine Jesus being like, like, I gave you a good life. I gave you, I provided you with education. I gave you the clothes on your back. Like, I was, I was so excited when you were excited about this and that. Like, why are you heavy? Why are you heavy again? <laughs> like, there was no reason for it. And there is, with Christ, no reason for it. Because his has is that all things, even if they are heavy, work for our good. Right? So there is no reason for us to wear the, the heaviness, when Jesus has taken it. Um, one of the things I want to point out to you is that, uh, like, it's, I think of, like, every saint who has walked long with the Lord and deep with the Lord, and when they're older, they're almost like kids. Have you guys, I don't know if you guys notice that, like, even famous people, like, Mike Bickle to Heidi Baker, to all these people, like, if you look at them and talk to them, it's like you're talking to a kid. Uh, there's one time I, I was at IHOP and I accidentally sat, kind of like Janine, I accidentally sat where the leaders are. Um, I didn't realize there's a leader's table. And like in the prayer, uh, it was actually in the the big like gathering area. So I'm sitting in the prayer room and all of a sudden like Misty Edwards comes and sits next to me and then like all these like famous people, like they, they start sitting around me and i start to realize, wait a minute. And it was like a fasting day, right? And so at this point I'm too petrified to move. So I just stay there, and I'm like, whatever, whatever, we're just going to, like, and then, because I'm leaving pretty soon anyway, and then I see Mike Bickle come in, and everyone's praying, everyone's pressing in, like, and he has this big grin on his face, and it's fasting day, and then (laughs) he throws a piece of candy at Misty Edwards, (laughs) and Misty's like, it's fasting day. (laughs) And Mike Bickle, I think he knew that. I think he was just kind of like poking his, his staff, like, playfully. Like, and I was just so shocked like at that. It wasn't this, here comes Mike Bickle, like, behold, you know, and be in awe and fear. But it was actually this, this joyfulness about him. that was play, playful with his spiritual kids, you know. There's a joyfulness that is available in the house of prayer, that, we are, that he promises joy in the house of prayer. Go to the next slide. Um, and this is not a joy that is fleeting, that is temporal. The promise is that it's a joy that remains, and it's a promise of a of, of full joy. Psalm 1611 you have made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. Not 30%, not 20%, but full, complete joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is what David says, like that he actually found and discovered that in the right hand of God there is pleasures you know someone um I think it was uh actually Sharon, Sharon Kerr, Sharon Kerr Shannon. sorry I was like, that sound. Shannon Kerr she was actually posted this once um after she came to our Jewish uh dance party that we had recently, and she said that one in one of her uh lessons that she took it said that uh the teacher said that the Jewish people were supposed to be the most happy people in the world, like God had actually. Designed their culture and their lifestyle to have rhythms that were so full of of allowing them to tap into the joy of the Lord. Like um, I remember, there's this friend of ours named Douglas who uh, worked for a Jewish guy as his boss, and he remarked about how his boss is always taking off work to go for a Jewish feast. <laughs> Like, the, that, the Jewish people feast more than anyone else in the world and He He's like, my boss is barely there. Like, he's at another biblical feast. Like, we were supposed to rest and feast joyfully before the Lord, right? Um, so many seasons and rhythms between Shabbat and the feasts to come before the Lord and to receive joy. Because at his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now if you guys will actually open your Bible, John fifteen, go ahead and turn to that. John fifteen, nine through eleven. We're talking about joy that remains, joy that is full, joy that is found alone in the priesthood. This is basically what priesthood is. John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus even says this. I said these things. Why? So that you may have joy and that your joy may be full. When the world is shaking, when they're distressed, that you can have joy if you abide and stay connected. Go to the next slide. What he's saying, how do you attain that joy? How do you get that joy to hold these two truths? And and you're constantly meditating on it. You're constantly speaking it to the Lord. That God loves God. That's what he says. God loves Jesus. And that Jesus loves us with that same intense love. Like, those two truths, if you're constantly meditating on it, speaking it, saying it to the Lord, like, those are the keys that Jesus says, I spoke these things to you. Why? So that if you do them, if you speak these things and hold these truths and abide in these truths your joy would be full and complete. A quote from Mike Bickle, it says, our ability to receive God's joy is anchored in our understanding of and our ongoing conversation with the Spirit about how the Father loves Jesus and how Jesus loves us. Go on to the next slide. I kind like of I like little graphs and stuff like that. So I thought I would just kind of sum it up. Joy that remains joy that is full joy that is in the priesthood, how do you get it? You experience his love. Literally, you sit before him and you allow yourself, God, you love Jesus and you, Jesus, love me. And you meditate on that and you speak that out to the Lord and you talk about his kindness and his goodness and his character you experience his love, and then you walk in obedience, and then that results always in joy. You know, that's actually what uh, Jesus is telling the woman at the well. You know the story pretty well. The woman at the well, how many husbands did she have? Five, right? I thought... Five husbands. Like, we look at that, we're like, like, five husbands. What a wayward woman. Like, this woman, really, what she was doing was seeking joy. She was seeking happiness in men, in the wrong things. And we do know differently. We do know differently. And what Jesus says to her, as he looks at her, he sees her constantly trying to drink water that doesn't satisfy, constantly pouring out her life, trying to get, joy and peace and Jesus says hey i will give it to you and you will never thirst again it's a joy that remains you will never thirst again because that that self-seeking like trying to find it outside of him go on to the next slide cuz really self-seeking is a life of misery Actually, the Bible, 1 Corinthians 10.24 says, let no one seek his own good. Like, 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, love is patient, love is kind, it's not envy. We know that part, but it's also not self-seeking. Like, and the only time we're told to mourn, like, and majorly in the Bible, like, mourning with our brothers and sisters when they're going through a difficult time, We bring in the hope of Christ. But another time is that we're to mourn, to sever our ties with the illusion of gain and favor in this world. Like literally the Bible talks about in Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Why? Like mourning over the poverty of our own spirit, mourning over that our identity is not tethered and tied to the Lord, and mourning and breaking that agreement in our heart that our love of life would not be our own in selfish gain, and breaking that with mourning and tying it in the prayer room with the Lord. Um, My dad always talked about this this story of uh, this man in China and his um, job, and this is a real story, was that he uh, cleaned poop. Like, he would literally go into the tank And like this big, like underground, like it was, I don't know what it was exactly, but literally he'd go waist deep in people's poop. And his job was to shovel it. And that was his job every day. But this man was a Christian. And he did it with so much joy. Like that he would go into the poop and he would say, I'm doing this for the Lord. And he would sing songs as he's scooping poop and giving glory to the Lord, right? Like, all of us in our flesh would give permission for upset life, depressed life, feeling like the lowest. But, like, he was like, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for the Lord. Like, he had no sense of, I'm doing this poop scooping for me. It was for the Lord. Like, let me tell you, students, you're going to hate school sometimes, do it for the Lord. And then you can do it joyfully. You're going to hate work sometimes. Do it for the Lord. If you feel the rising hatred or, like, disappointment, <laughs> like, you know, I got to do this, you're probably not doing it for the Lord. If your husband's bothering you, your wife's bothering you, your sibling's bothering you, have relationship for, with them for the Lord. Right? Because the self seeking life always is a miserable life. And as America preaches the idea of idolatry of self as freedom, it's a lie. As America preaches the idea that you better yourself, you will be joyful, that's a lie. Because any amount of self seeking in your life will always lead to misery. The Bible says do not seek your own good. Do not do it for self-interest. Do it unto the Lord and not for man. Okay, I'm going to end with a couple of verses. I got through half of the sermon. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I I knew it. I knew it. It would go over. But anyway, so uh, joyful in the house of the Lord. Isaiah 56, 67, and the foreigners, this is the promise, and the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, join themselves to the Lord, minister to him, love the name of the Lord, be his servants, keep the Sabbath, not to profane it, hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful. This is like a doctor diagnostic test. Like if you're not happy or you know someone who's not happy, are you joined yourself to the Lord? Do you love his name? Are you serving him? You're like, well, I make my bed in the morning because God wants me to. Okay, but are you like, are you serving him? Like, is that the goal of your life? Is that the thing that you're building your life around? Do you keep the Sabbath? Like, do you hold fast the covenant and walking in obedience? Is that that's your thing that you really want to walk in obedience to the Lord? The promise is that I will then bring them and make them joyful. Why? Because not because we do these things and we check it off and we're like, now we're good people, so we're joyful. But all these things, when they join yourself to minister to him, you love his name, and you're His servant, and you keep the Sabbath and hold fast to his covenants, you are tethering yourself to God. And therefore you will be joyful because he is joy and he is peace. And he says to Abraham, I love this, he tells Abraham, do not fear, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Like God becomes our reward. And when God is your reward, you can't help but be super joyful. When God reveals God to the human heart, this is the most intense pleasure we can ever experience. Being tethered to God is joy, pure joy. Go to the next one. Joyful in the house of prayer, how precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. Like, that's an amazing promise, that if we tether ourselves to the Lord, if we walk in the priesthood, if we walk in that house of prayer calling, that we get to drink from the rivers of delight That was that was David's. David, one thing I seek, one thing I want. It's not because he's like, because I want to be super religious and pious. Like David was like he was set on having pleasures forevermore. He was a pleasure seeker of the highest type. Like David knew that pleasures were in the right hands of God. He wanted to drink in the delights of the rivers of God. Like that was David's joy. There is no greater joy, really, than sitting in the prayer room at least 12, like, 12 years or so. And, like, I mean, when I think about <sighs> events, sometimes I get a little heavy. When I think about, <sighs> like, growing the prayer room, I'm like, okay, fine. Like, <laughs> you know, I think about stacking up ministers to lead worship. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. But the great, greatest joy for me is when I'm sitting in that corner there. That corner, yes. And, like, I'm... I'm like digging through scripture and I find something about God that I didn't know before. <sniffs> like, there's so much joy. It's so sweet. Like, I could do that for a long time and then you get up because my butt hurts. But, like, <sniffs> you know, like sitting there and like just digging, like, oh my gosh, like, God, you're like this. And There's such safety hide, like you literally feel like you're under the shadow of his wings. Come on. Like there is no greater pleasure than to sit before the Lord and dig into the depth of the knowledge of God. Like every other part of ministry can be a little wearisome, can be a little troubling. Every other part can be a little of life, can be a little weary and troubling. But not not the pleasures of knowing God, not the priesthood, not coming before his presence where there's fullness of joy and rivers of his delight. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Priscilla.